Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, we can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. my friend brother michael i'm doing good how are you doing yeah not too bad is it warm in your in your country is it very warm today it's always warm here it's about 80 degrees plus every day and about 80 percent humidity every day yeah you got used to it you got used to it have you fahrenheit um yes yes sir um i just got used to it after a few years and um uh your your body um, knows there's something not right. It doesn't ne- necessarily feel very hot and humid, but it is. And uh, you sweat yes. a lot down here, so just be prepared. Yeah, well, to take some extra baths. Yeah, well, it's very it's very hot in England. Been very hot in England this week, and uh, it is uh, very humid as well. We had a thunderstorm yesterday. You know, a lot of rain, but it was boiling hot. It was like having a hot shower. <laughs> you know, and uh, it was uh, so. Uh, I prefer the colder weather myself. I like the football season. Oh, sure, that's that's certainly yeah. uh, preferable. I prefer the football the football season. Um, we drink a lot of iced cappuccino down here to stay cool. Yeah, that's quite good iced coffee, isn't it? I remember being on the seaside once, and I remember there was a guy at a stall on the beach, and he sold ice cold coffee. It was very nice. I, I thought it was strange when I first came down here. I never drank an iced coffee before, but uh, I tried it no. one day, and I said, I like it. Hey, this isn't bad at all. So, <laughs> No, no, no. That's very good. That's very good. Well, it's good to be with you again. I can't wait. Absolutely. Folks, welcome aboard. We're going to kick off today's marathon. We're doing four shows back-to-back today. We're going to kick it off with Pastor Michael Cummins. We've got the next hour. 
Brother, you take it away. Open us in prayer. Yes, certainly. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. We praise you, honor you, glorify you, and we ask you to touch everyone today listening to this program. And Lord, open their hearts to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And whatever their needs are, Lord, we ask you to meet them according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And please bless me today, Lord, as I deliver this teaching today and may it touch everyone listening and we ask this today in jesus name amen amen welcome back my friend the mic is yours thank you well you know when we talk about spiritual warfare with satan most people believe in a warfare with a dove fighting a dragon or us fighting a dragon and satan coming at us like a raging lion, like a leviathan, like a sea monster, almost like a T-Rex. But, you know, the weapons of Satan's warfare are far more subtle than that. And sometimes, by admission, we sin. One of the things he did in the Garden of Eden is he got Adam and Eve to sin by admission. They know what God told them to do, to not touch the fruit of the tree of knowledge, but Satan confused them. He didn't say anything threatening. He didn't say anything nasty. He caught them out by omission. And today we're going to talk about two powers that we have as believers, not powers to put on boxing gloves or take a sword and chase demons about, the power of repentance and the power of forgiveness. And I want to try and explain this to you today. Plus, if there's enough time, uh, we'll also be speaking in the end about being non-judgmental. These are all powerful things that destroy Satan. Satan likes nothing better than a Christian withholding, confessing his or her sins from Jesus. Sometimes he leads that person to believe that once you go to church or read the Bible or pray, there is no need to confess and repent. It's all been done. You have nothing to do apart from carrying on to act like a Christian and continuing to make it look to everyone else that you're a good Christian. Satan loves that. A lady came to see me on Sunday seeking deliverance. I had spoken to her on the telephone in the week and I asked her a number of questions because she was a lady I'd never met before and I knew very little about her. When she came to church after the service, uh, I invited her to come to the office and I said to her, I'm going to get the lady who's a member of the church to sit in with us while we pray. Because I've learned that because I've seen other pastors who have made this mistake that a pastor should never pray for a lady on his own. The devil will make trouble if you give him the opportunity to do so. So I asked a lady from the church uh, to come and sit amongst us. The lady who come for deliverance, I asked her if she'd ever been to see a witch doctor, a voodoo priest or an obia man. Probably an obia man would be more like it because she came from Jamaica. 
And she told me that she had been brought up as a Seventh-day Adventist and had never visited such people as occultists. On Monday morning, she rang me at 9am and told me that she did not want to tell me the truth on Sunday afternoon because there was another lady in the room. So she withheld the fact that she had been to see witch doctors and juju men, etc., etc. She said she felt embarrassed to tell the truth, so she withheld important information that would have helped her in her deliverance. She had attended a witch doctor who had done a blood sacrifice and told her to sprinkle the sacrificial ashes in the cemetery. Pure witchcraft. And I knew that she had been withholding the truth. I knew it on Sunday afternoon. But I can only ask for honesty. You see, this lady played straight into Satan's hands. He wanted her to be secretive, sly and dishonest about her past. She wants to pretend that she was righteous, like many Christians do. And many Christians believe they're being attacked by the devil because of their righteousness. They don't think that unconfessed sin could have anything to do with the Satan attacking them. I said to this woman on Monday, you've played into the devil's hands. He wanted you to be dishonest and not tell the truth. And you've given him what he wanted. I also said to her, could you imagine if you'd have gone to sleep Sunday night and not woken up in the morning, where your soul would be now? She went quiet. Matthew 3 verse 2 makes it very clear. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is a divine principle and is required before anyone can enter heaven. Without repentance, no one will be saved or nobody can make preparation for eternal life. The atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross made it possible for all mankind to receive forgiveness of his or her sins. And once we receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour, we begin to dismantle and destroy the weapons of Satan's warfare. Think of the pain, the suffering that Jesus endured for our sakes. The people he came to save rejected him. And if mankind does not repent of his sins, then the body and blood of Jesus would have been sacrificed in vain. Jesus went to the cross for us all. But we have to receive that sacrifice, we have to accept that sacrifice, and we have to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Let's have a look at Luke 24, verses 46 to 49, and this will explain it. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it is behoved, 
Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name amongst all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from of high. In other words, they've got to wait there for the comforter who Jesus promised to come down, which he did do on the day of Pentecost, and they was all filled with the Holy Spirit. Satan will strongly try to stop mankind from repenting his sins. Satan's mission is to destroy man's potential eternal life with God. For he knows that through repentance, Satan will lose control of those he has bound. That is the power of repentance. If you do not believe you have to repent, remember what the Lord has said in various scriptures. And we're going to go to Acts 3 verse 19. Acts 3 verse 19 says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. We've got to repent our sins. It's not enough to believe that we automatically are saved because we have gone to church or been to church sometimes all of our lives. Let's have a look at Romans 3, verse 23. And it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. Let's go to Romans 6, verse 23, and see what it says there. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Remember, you may be an excellent scripture reader, a wonderful tither, but if you're full of unconfessed sin, you will never enter heaven. It is not God's will for any to be lost. Hell was made for the devil and all the fallen angels who rebelled with Satan against God. It wasn't made for us to go into. And Satan doesn't want to go there alone, nor do the angels who rebelled against God. They want company and they want flesh to be with them. But we're not going to go there. Second Peter 3 verse 9. Let's see what it says. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, Lord, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is the will of God. God wants to transform our lives through repentance. Repentance is power. 
when you repent of your sins, you take away Satan's control from your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray the name of Jesus and we glorify his holy name. We must be willing to humble ourselves before God and confess that we have sinned against God's will. God's commandments and God's word, the Bible. Do not whimper or speak that no one can hear you. Speak boldly and confess every sin that you can remember. And if you cannot recall all of your sins, ask the Holy Spirit to bring recollection to you so nothing is hidden. Praise God, Jesus and the Holy Ghost and thank God for sending his only begotten son, Jesus Emmanuel, God with us to die on the cross for you and accept this ultimate ultimate sacrifice as atonement for the sins you have confessed to and repented of and receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour and you will no longer be under the wrath of God for the guilt Satan has forced upon you to carry you will be released from Confession and repentance is not like being found out and saying sorry to your mother or father or a school teacher or even receiving confession and penance if you're a Catholic. Confession and repentance is the single most important thing you will do. So do it with godly conviction. Godly conviction. Let's have a look at Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14. And let's have a look what it says. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Hallelujah. Either ye, enter ye, sorry, forgive me, enter ye in that straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many be there which goest in there there eat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that that found that find it. You know, some people believe they believe in their own. Uh, worthiness and as we said early all have fallen short of the glory of God the Ten Commandments if broken must be repented of because they are still relevant today Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke everything which is said about me in the Psalms laws and the prophets must be fulfilled and I'm saying that without reading the Bible just out of memory Satan will use every tactic he can to make us feel unworthy once we have confessed and repented our sins he will be angry 
and tries best to make us feel that our sins are so bad that God will never forgive us. Satan will try to make us feel worse than we were before, ungodly sinners who God will never forgive, all part of the lying strategy of Satan. But if this happens, then we need to look at the word. Let's look back at the example of King David. Let's read how King David fell from grace, an anointed king of Israel. Let's read what happens to him. And we'll be reading from 2 Samuel 11, 2 Samuel 11, 2 to 27. It's a long reading, but we need to read it all so you get an idea what happened to David and how God delivered him. Hallelujah. Let's read this now. And it came to pass in an evening night tide that David rose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliham, the wife of Uri the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanliness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived, and sent and told David, and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to this house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house. And there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord, and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Comest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto thine house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go down into mine house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as my soul liveth, I will not do this thing. And David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day, and the morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, and went not down to his house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab, 
and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter, saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass, when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah into a place where he knew that valiant men were, and the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, and charged the messenger, saying, When thou hast made an end of telling the matters of the war unto the king, and if so, be that the king's wrath arise, and he may say unto thee, Wherefore approach ye so nigh unto the city, when did when ye did fight? Know ye not that they would shoot from the wall? Who smote Abimelech, the son of Jerubalishef? did not cast the piece of the millstone up on him from the wall, that he died in the best. Why went ye nigh the wall? Then say thou, the servant of Uriah the Hittite, the servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and showed David all that Joab had sent him for. And the messenger said unto David, Surely the men prevailed against us, and came out unto us into the field, and we were upon them even unto the entering of the gate. And the shooters shot from off the wall upon the servants, and some of the king's servants be dead, and thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage thou him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife, and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And we know that uh, David had done a terrible thing. He had done a shocking thing. And really, let's think what he actually done. He was guilty of adultery. He slept with another man's wife. And then he was guilty of murder. He didn't physically kill Uriah himself, but he sent him into battle to be, to be killed. But if we go to Psalm 51, we can see that David, after being confronted by Nathan the prophet, wanted to confess and repent his sins. And I'll read Psalm 51 to you, for this is important. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude 
of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall shew forth thy praise, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem, then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bullocks upon thine altar. You know, one thing that touches me in this is when David says, do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Remember, God took the Holy Spirit away from Saul and a demonic spirit, an evil spirit, took his place. Remember Peter in John 18 verse 27 and in Mark 16 verses 1 to 8, he denied Jesus three times. And when he went away, when he told the damsel that he didn't know Jesus, he never knew him at all. He had betrayed the one. Jesus had called him Cephas, the rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. But he denied Jesus, and then he sneaked away with his head bowed. And you would have thought that was the end of Peter. Would you have likened Peter to Judas Iscariot? No, Peter never denied him unto death, but he denied him, denied him his existence. And when Jesus rose on the third day, he made it an issue to those who had seen Jesus walking in the light of day. Go and tell my disciples I'm risen and tell Peter Jesus had forgiven him. So you look, when we've done wrong, many of us have done terrible things in their lives. I've done many, many wrong things. 
We must confess this to the Lord. We must hold nothing back. You know, even now, what I do for a living as a deliverance minister, I find myself confessing sins all the time to the Lord. I never say I'm a deliverance minister, I'm a pastor. I don't have to confess. I confess all the time. I go to bed of a night and I ask the Holy Spirit to remind me by the morning anything else I've got to confess of. Before I came to the Lord, I did many bad things. And I realize I confess things that I did when I was 12 and 13, things I did when I was very young. We must confess our sins. The greatest thing about confession is when we confess our sins and we repent of our sins, we receive the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts and minds. Satan is destroyed. Yes, he can try and make us feel guilty again. He can try and tell us lies that God hasn't really forgiven you. You're still that sinner you thought you was. But he's a liar. Satan is a liar. Hallelujah. And we will stand against his lies now. I'm going to give you some scriptures on repentance that we're going to say now. The first one comes from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 28, verse 13. And this is powerful. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Oh, we want that, don't we? We want that mercy. Hallelujah. When we have mercy... We feel good. Hallelujah. We truly feel good. Let's go back to the book of Psalms. Hallelujah. And read Psalm 32, 1 to 5. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silent, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. How powerful is that? Truly powerful in the name of Jesus. And Satan, he will stand there powerless, unable to do anything. Hear my word, Satan. You're a liar. And I'm telling people how to uncover your lies. Let's have a look at 1 John 1, verses 6 to 10. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. 
If we say then that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar and the word is not in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. You see, God wants us to be free of sin. And I can understand when people have sinned grievously, even small sins, they can make us feel bad and we don't want to talk about it. Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. We all know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Hallelujah. Wonderful words of God. I'm going to continue with these because I want you to hear all these wonderful works. All these wonderful words. Let's go to Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Hallelujah. We know that God is mighty. God is wonderful. Hallelujah. Let's go to Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33. And let's read this now in the name of Jesus. Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33. Whosoever therefore shall confess before me, before men, him I will confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him I will also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Can you see the power, the power of confession, the power of repentance? Let's read three more scriptures. I've written all these down, so I want to read them to you now. Hallelujah. Let's have a look at 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. For godly sorrow 
worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Let's have a look at Acts 26, verse 20. You can see these scriptures now, how they're telling you, how they're showing you, revealing to you the power of repentance. Hallelujah. But showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God and do works meet for the repentance. Hallelujah. When we repent our sins and we become born again, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit might fill us really with something soft and powerful. Or the Holy Spirit might make us very vocal and speak in tongues very steadfastly and very loud. But it is all through the act of confession and repentance. Now when we repent of our sins and we confess all our sins to the Lord and we become born again, there is something else we need to do as Christians. We need to forgive others from their sins. That is truly powerful. Someone may have hurt you when you was a small child and you've always held them in mind. You've always disliked them. You've always wanted to get even with them. Before I came to the Lord, there was a man I wanted to get even with who done me wrong when I was about 15. And I wanted to get even with this man so bad. I even think at the time that if I'd had confronted him, I never saw him, I never met him, but I even think if I'd had confronted him, I might have hurt him badly. Such was the need for revenge I had. But we need to forgive others the way that God and Jesus Christ has forgiven us. Once you have confessed your sins and have repented before the Lord Jesus, you're born again. And the Holy Spirit is dwelling in your heart. And you are a new creation, no longer in condemnation. Satan is loose from you. But the Lord has forgiven us from all the consequences of sin. But he requires us to receive full forgiveness by asking us to forgive others from any wrongs they have done to us. And God that makes that a circumstance of our forgiveness, which scripture will say that we forgive others. Of all the most difficult things to do is to forgive our enemies, the people in our lives who have hurt us. It might have been the school bully who frightened us, the teacher who punished us, the boy and girl friend that broke our hearts. That's, of course, the boyfriend that broke the girl's heart and the girlfriend that broke the boy's heart. If we have been brought up in Christian households, we may have been taught how to deal with the pain 
that the past brings and how to give those who cause that pain. But the set of rules for non-Christians was different. I was brought up to get even and pay back, even to be vengeful. And that's what my father taught me. And that was the norm. I remember when I lived in Bermondsey, a very tough area in South London. One morning, an elderly man was shot dead through the back of the head after dropping off his grandchildren to school. And it would appear that an old feud that went back many years had been settled. The old man who was shot through the back of the head was shot by a previous rival and this feud had gone back from right when they were young men together. I don't know the full content of the feud. But the Old Testament is few of such feuds which have led to war. Mankind's history is full of bitterness and unforgiveness and Satan loves this. Yeah, you're born again, but how about getting evil with that so-and-so who did this to you, who ruined your life, who got you the sack from your job? We should shake hands and forgive each other. Satan would want something different. You see, our own forgiveness and our own place in heaven depends upon it. Let's look at some scriptures that will tell us the truth and the absolute truth. When we read this, hallelujah. Let's have a look at Colossians 3, verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Forgive others. Hallelujah. We are being told to forgive others. Now surely, does that make you a coward and a wimp if you forgive others that have hurt you? I used to believe when I was a young man, even if I got a good beating, I had to do my best, especially against people that were bullies. And you know, when someone bullies another, he has low self-esteem. Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32, tell us the truth. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. Isn't that beautiful? Let me read verse 32 again. It's so beautiful. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How wonderful to hear such words. Let's go to Luke 6 now and read what it says in the Gospel of Luke. There we go, so wonderful. That's Luke 6, verses 37 to 38. Hallelujah. It says, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. 
forgive and you shall be forgiven. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Men shall give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be measured to you again. Hallelujah. Of course, the greatest example of forgiveness in the history of the world was Jesus. Hallelujah. Who came to save the lost sheep of Israel. And those he had come to turn, come to save turned on him and accepted a man called Barabbas instead of God made flesh Emmanuel, God with us. They rejected him, spat upon him, saw he was beaten terribly, yet Jesus forgave them. Hallelujah. Let's read about Jesus' forgiveness. Jesus forgave them. Those who had rejected him, those who had turned against him. Luke 23, verses 34. Then he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his realment and cast lots. Hallelujah. Saul of Tarsus was a religious zealot who persecuted the early believers and followers of Christ. Paul persecuted those Greek-speaking believers who were anti-temple. He held the coats of those who took part in the stoning of the first recognized Christian martyr, Stephen. He had Christians arrested and persecuted for their belief in Jesus. Yet God forgave him. Jesus said to him in Acts 9 verse 4, and let's read that, what Jesus said to him in Acts 9, verse 4. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Hallelujah. And Paul was chosen by God to travel and evangelize all over the recognized world. And he attributed to have written 14 books out of the 27 in the New Testament. Our God is merciful, forgiving, and God expects us to be the same. So we must forgive. You know, mankind makes a terrible mistake in believing Satan to be a prehistoric monster, a terrible serpent, the stuff of nightmares. I would sooner see Satan portrayed as Al Pacino portrayed him in the film The Devil's Advocate, a powerful business figure leading a massive law firm in New York with wicked demons as experts in the law, manipulating the high places of the US Supreme Court and their legal system. So the occult and those practicing it are protected by law. Satan is sly, crafty and manipulating, 
trying to convince born-again believers that we are safe in our sins and unforgiveness and all we have to do is sit back and relax and wait for eternal life. He tries to befriend us, leading us to be lackadaisical about our salvation. God will understand why I do not forgive my enemies. They did terrible things to me. Didn't the Bible say in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? You see, when we forgive our enemies, we receive God's freedom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, freedom from bitterness, freedom from unforgiveness, from vengefulness. I believe now that the persons or persons you have forgiven now have the responsibility to approach God and seek redemption by confessing and repenting from their own sins and forgiving others who have also sinned against them. How merciful is our God? Let's have a look how merciful our God is and let's have a look in Matthew 18 verses 21 and 22. When you think how wonderful God is, how marvellous he is, what a God we serve, what a God we serve, all the wrong we have done in life, and he forgives us. Matthew 18, verses 21 to 22. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Hallelujah. And in verse 21, Peter said to Jesus, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 77 times by seven. That's 490 pieces of forgiveness. So what Jesus is saying is forgive continually. Our human minds would think maybe forgive them once or twice, even three times, and that will be sufficient to forgive others. But Jesus wants to make sure that we truly do forgive and that we're not flippant about our divine duty to forgive others. All sin is repugnant to the Father. And during Jesus' three-year ministry on the earth, he would have witnessed sinners guilty of terrible sins. But he came to save sinners and has offered us all the opportunity to be free from hell and eternal damnation. Because Jesus died and was an eternal sacrifice for our sin and iniquity, providing we confess and repent our own sins and forgive others who have sinned against us. But there is a final warning to be made and we must guard against Satan who may whisper in our ears and tell us that our sins are not as bad as those who have sinned against us, slyly trying to get us to judge others. We must never be ignorant to God's word.
remember what it said about judgment. In the name of Jesus, we read these scriptures now. Hallelujah. We pray against the name of Satan. We pray against him now for his slyness and his dishonesty. Hallelujah. We glorify the name of Jesus. Matthew 7 verses 1 to 5. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, we shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt they say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine own eye, and behold, a beam is in mine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam of thy own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we must be very careful not to judge others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's have a look at Luke 6, verses 35 to 37. It says, But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. But ye therefore, be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. And the final scripture today we're going to read comes from Romans 2, verses 1 to 3. And I hope... You've understood all this about repentance, about forgiving others, about not judging. These are the things that Satan wants us to do. And these are the things that Satan will try and convince us are no problem at all. Romans 2 verses 1 to 3. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whoever... Thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest, another thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them, which do such things, and doest the same? that thou shalt not escape the judgment of God. Amen. And I'm going to say a prayer now for everyone out there. If you've got enemies that are tied up in your mind who you think of regular, forgive them now in the name of Jesus Christ. Hold nothing more against them. Defeat Satan by forgiving your enemies. 
if you're holding sins that you've never confessed, that you've conveniently forgotten, ask the Holy Spirit to bring them to your remembrance now and confess them and repent of them now. If you are judging others, if you go to church and you see people in your own church who you don't agree with, these people probably anger you or get under your skin. And you would like God to judge them. Remember, with what judgment you ask God to judge them with, God will judge you the same way. So let us pray now. Lord, bring to remembrance all of the sins that we have committed that we need to confess. Let us repent all iniquity that we are guilty of to you, Lord. Let us be free from Satan and his crafty wiles and his tricks. Let us be free forever. And Lord, let us not judge anybody because none of us want to be judged negatively by you, Lord. Please let us forgive all others. Hold nothing against any other anybody else. Let us judge nobody. And let us stand against Satan with a steadfast and true mind. Believing that by forgiving others, by repenting of our sins, by confessing our sins, we will all be truly born again and set free from the yoke that Satan has us bound in. You are a liar, Satan. And what I've preached about today will bring defeat to you. Defeat to you that is long overdue. We rebuke you. We bind you. We cancel you. We destroy you. We cast you down. Cast you out and remove you from the lives of believers now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Powerful message today. Brother Michael, what would you like to title this for the archive? The Power of Repentance. Okay, The Power of Repentance. Brother Michael, also, give out your contact information. How do people reach you, and how can they support your ministry? Well, if you wish to reach me, I do have an email address where I have a PayPal, PayPal account lodged, and that email address is frame, F-R-A-M-E, Cummins, C-U-M-M-I-N-S, that's C-U-M-M-I-N-S, 123 at AOL.com. Uh, if you need personal prayer, you can send me an email to that email address, and I will send you my Skype address, and then we can pray for you. And if you have any torment from demons or evil spirits, I promise you, that if you're honest and truthful about your past and what you've done, God will hear and set you free. If you wish to come to church in London, I pastor a church in a place called Kilburn, which is London Northwest Six, and it's Kilburn Christian Fellowship. If you look online, you can see everything about the church, all the transport links, 
and also I've got about 70 now previous preachings I've done since I've been pastor there a lot of them on deliverance a lot of them on the devil please listening listen to some of these preachings they're very powerful and they are very anointed and I say God bless you all and the reason I preach what I preach today because lots of people want to hear Satan being beaten, beaten up and shouted and yelled at by deliverance ministry. But we have to truly understand the slyness and the subtlety of Satan's warfare. God bless you all. Great word today, man. Uh, Brother Michael, we love you. And we'll see you next week, same time. God bless you. God bless you. Look forward to it. Amen. Thank you, sir. Friends, that was a great program. Let's get uh, Brother John Gogan on. I'm dialing now. Stand by. Here we go.